They they love their Dunkin' Donuts up in up in Boston. Oh, they're they ever they're everywhere. It's the best part about coming up here is because I I had one like in my hotel parking lot, and I think I ate, like anytime I was bored, I was like, yeah, I can go for a dozen donut holes. Why not? Because <laughs> it's open twenty four seven. I can't sleep that well in hotels, so it's just like. Yeah, it's two a.m. I can throw down a dozen munchkins. Let's do you, this. You hear about their, um, you hear about their new glazed donut sandwich? No, it's exactly what it sounds but like. I eat it. It's a uh, glazed donut cut in half and then bacon and eggs put in between. How is it twenty thirteen and we just thought of that? Ladies and gentlemen, grab yourself a juice box. I'm Kent Garrison. I'm Brian Gill. And I'm Richard Barden. And this is Mad About Movies. You. You realize that? Yeah. The whole world got crazy. Seriously? Even turned. Showtime. Mad about movies is an hour-long conversation concerning all things cinema. The first half of the show, we discuss movie news, movie rumors, and movie rumblings, and we talk about what's currently piquing our interest in the world of Hollywood. For the second half of the show, we go over our chosen movie of the week, and we give you guys our review. And as an added bonus, please stay tuned to the end of each episode for our weekly recommends, in which we suggest something you guys need to check out as soon as you can. This week, we are focusing our efforts on what, Brian? Tonight, we will be talking about the fourth season of a little show called Arrested Development. Now the story of a wealthy family who lost everything and the one son who had no choice but to keep them all together. It's Arrested Development. They're trying to kill baby Buster. <laughs> We're uh, taking a break from a movie. Um, us three in this podcast... We have a lot of interests, and um, one of those interests just happens to be Arrested Development. So it's only fitting that Arrested Development is back. It's on Netflix. Uh, the whole world is a buzz right now talking about it, and so I think uh, we need to do our duty and talk about it as well. So I'm excited about this one, but I want to mention a little bit of movie news first, if you guys don't mind. Uh, just two things real quick. Um, before we got on the air here, we were discussing one of our favorite actors, uh, Mr. Will Forte. And I want to mention Will Forte has been in the news. He's been at Cannes uh, promoting what? What? what is the movie, Richard, he's promoting? Nebraska. It's called Nebraska. Okay, he's getting rave reviews for his dramatic performance in this movie, Nebraska. Um, but he's also been getting a lot of interviews while he's over at Cannes. And he has said that as soon as he gets home from Cannes, him and his writing partners are getting in a room, locking the door, and writing the script for MacGruber 2. Yes. So, um... Dreams do come true, guys. It is official. Uh, MacGruber 2 is happening, so... So, I Ideas to, from uh, MacGruber 2. Let's, let's throw them out. I want to... Well, ideas, number one... My first idea is obviously space. Um... <laughs> But my second, I have a, a great, I haven't even told Brian, I haven't even told you this this week. So, uh, oh, sweet. So we got life insurance at my work. And, uh, for those of you who, who know me or don't know me that just listen to the podcast, I don't really have any, uh, what do you call it? Family. Right. And so, uh, and so I'm kind of a lone wolf. Uh, I was very close to my mother who's, who's passed away. So I'm, I'm kind of a, 
I've got some aunts and uncles that I'm 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 reasonably close with, but not none so much as that I would I don't anyway, I don't have anyone I would leave my life insurance to, right? So I was trying to figure right. out what to do. Cuz cuz so let's I let's just, let's be honest. You're you're going to die young. I'm, so I'm going to die pretty quick. Like I'm right. Let me put it to you this way. For dinner tonight, I went and got a hamburger, a hot dog, and fries and a coke from five guys and ate it in about three and a half seconds. So it's right. I'm a ticking time bomb at this point. Yeah. So I I left. So I was talking with uh, the per, uh, the person with whom I, I left the money, and I said, "Here are your instructions. I want you to have a uh, you know. It's not. I don't even know what the money is, but I said I want you to. And I'm I'm deadly serious. I want you to uh, just light me on fire, however cheaply you can do it, and just incinerate me in the ashes." I want you to have a dinner with my loved ones, my friends, and get everyone together and maybe tell some funny stories. Nothing too extravagant. Maybe, maybe like chilies, or you know something like that. Something classy. And then I want you, to, I want you to spend the rest of the money on the MacGruber Two Kickstarter. <laughs> so whatever it is, fifty grand, a hundred grand, I, it needs. I want to be a producer on MacGruber Two, and I'm, I'm. I want you to look me in the eye and promise me that I don't care about charity. I don't care about your student <laughs> loans. I want, and they they agreed. So, um, anyway, so who's devoted now to MacGruber Two, Mister right. Forte? So anyway, so I thought that was a a, a story you, you only you two would understand. Man, yes. like I am, I might be just as excited as you guys. I know I'm not more excited, but man, I love MacGruber. Like honestly, Richard, <laughs> so when good. you when you said um, when we talked about it a few maybe a month ago or, or however many episodes ago, you were like, it has um, taken over most majority of your movie thought uh, since you saw it. <laughs> and I agree with you. Like, it's a work of genius. Like, that's the only way to describe MacGruber. Um, every single line is, is hilarious. <laughs> every single line of that movie is funny. Yes. It, it's it's so fast-paced. It... it, it there, there's not enough good things I can say about how funny MacGruber is, honestly. I could watch it a hundred times in a row time, and still wouldn't catch every joke. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And forget, and you forget about funny no, parts every time. There's hardly even setups. I think there's only like five setups in the whole movie. The rest of them are – it's just punchline, 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 <laughs> punchline, 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 punchline. Set up, punchline, punchline. Pun- I mean, it's so funny. Yeah. You you miss. It's... I remember seeing it in a theater and missing like half the jokes because it was so, so, yeah. so funny. It moves so. It's kind of the comedic version of Fast and Furious, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, like I always said, it, like I've said this again, MacGruber is by no means anywhere close to even the greatest comedy of all time. It's not. I will say though, it to me is the funniest movie of all time. These are two distinct things. Right. Um, it's. I can't say it's like a great movie. It's just like what all these scary movie things and these like movies that set out to solely be funny. Movie forty three, scary movie, all these kind of spoof movies. This is what they were trying to do. Is McGruber? Yeah, that's exactly They're trying right. to be yep. this. <laughs> and they, this is the only movie that's pulled that off since like Airplane, or maybe yep. the first Naked Gun. Yeah, totally yeah. agree. It is maybe the and funniest movie time. in the past fifteen years to come out. I'm not. Like, By the people, way, did people, you notice that the first like forty-five minutes of Fast and Furious Six is MacGruber? It's the exact same plot. I'm putting together a team. <laughs> yeah, yep. exactly. They like have to go Ta-da. get Vin, and they're like, it's, it's Owen. It's <laughs> oh, you guys okay? <laughs> uh, 
Um, we were talking about getting MacGruber, and Eric and I were talking about MacGruber being in in Fast and Furious Seven, and like he gathers up, you know, and then it's just he blows up. Oh, Connor! You okay? <laughs> Somebody call nine one one. Just, just the whole every character you've come to love is dead except for Vin Diesel and right. uh, MacGruber. Yeah, and people, people listening to this podcast probably think we're being sarcastic because <laughs> that's one of our trademarks. But we legitimately like MacGruber, like. We do. Okay. If you are in the 16 to 40-ish male audience and you have not seen MacGruber, and you have a sense of humor, and you've not seen MacGruber, you you are doing yourself a disservice. That is your homework for and this if you're, week. Go home and, and if watch. you're anyone it's like else. It's minutes long. It will not take you long at all, and it's <laughs> spectacular. And if you're anyone else, f- females between 0 and 99. <laughs> yeah. Don't see this movie because it's movie. it's incredibly crass, and it's yeah. you won't find it funny. No woman it's finds it funny. Girls. It's not for it's girls. not for girls. But if you are a male, between like Brian said, yeah, sixteen and and forty ish, forty five, uh, uh, turn off the podcast, <laughs> go rent it. Totally, You're totally welcome. agree. Um, don't see it with your parents Man. either. Yeah, <laughs> no, don't see it with anybody you know. Just lock yourself in a room. Just watch it alone with headphones and have a great time. And we're being totally serious. Um, Dead serious on my life. But so yeah, yeah Gruber too. I mean, I can't even imagine. How do you top that, guys? Yeah. How are we going to be? How are we going to be limited to one hour talking about MacGruber too? Right, our podcast you know might I mean? be longer than the movie. We might have to go five days that week. I think we go Monday through Friday, an hour every night. Yeah, Food talk. <laughs> Let's plan on that. Let's mark it. Let's mark it on the calendar right now. Um, man, I'm excited for that. Um, I'm also really excited for another movie. I want to mention it. A lot of a lot of news has come out in the past week, actually, about it. Um, it's currently filming right down the road here from where I am in London at Pinewood Studios. Uh, it's a movie um, produced by Marvel coming out called Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, slated for next summer, 2014, and casting news has been coming out about it, and I wanted to mention uh, mention that. So, our lead villain has been cast, and it is Doctor Who's Karen Gillan, who is yep. uh, the most recent iteration of Doctor Who, um, and she is has a huge fan base. So, um, having her on board is genius move by by Marvel. Um, but some bigger names that, that our listeners will probably be more interested in, uh, Glenn Close, uh, has signed on for Guardians of the Galaxy and will be playing a shield type agent, um, sort of ahead of the Nova, um, agency, which is sort of like shield for, for the Galaxy's shield, I guess, if if that makes sense. Um, hey guys, I just I just Googled Karen Gillan and I will see you guys tomorrow. Yeah. Have a good one. Enjoy the rest of the podcast and take care. Right. I do you know what I mean though? Like that's great. Like for a villain, that's gonna be crazy. I don't know what they're gonna do there. But uh yeah, her she is added, which is awesome. Doctor Who's great, of course. Uh Glenn Close um seems awesome. That seems like a great choice for a shield type um role. Does it not, sure. Brian? Mm-hmm. Yeah. She was, uh, you know, yeah. Glenn Close is one that's like, it's she's not anybody that I'm going to run out and see in a movie, you know? Oh, she's in a movie, I got to get there or anything like that. 
but she's a very good actress. Um, her season on The Shield is great. She was great on that mm-hmm. show. And I, I've never seen Damages, which is another FX show, but I've always heard that it's very good and that she's very good in it. So that's a that's a solid... That's kind of the opposite of Now You See Me, right? That sort of... Uh, we're going to add these, these uh, actors who... Um, I'm assuming is, she's going to have a part that actually matters, and uh, that's that's kind of that's smart casting. That's that's a a name, a face, people you know, but she's probably not costing you just a ton of money to be in it. So that's a that's a great yeah. call. Yeah, totally. And one other name I want to mention, who has signed on for Guardians of the Galaxy. This actually broke today. Um, Benicio del Toro has signed on, and um, apparently. Um, he has signed a multi-picture deal with Marvel uh, to appear as a yet-to-be-named villain. And rumors are going around that he will be playing Thanos. Uh, okay. Who, is, who was teased at the end of the Avengers in the, in the yeah. credits sequence. And um, if you've seen Patton Oswalt's Star Wars filibuster, you know that Thanos has a very large role in the overall galaxy. Uh, so... Uh, what are your thoughts, Brian, on Benicio del Toro uh, overall as an actor? I think he's a very, very, very talented actor. I I'm glad to see him take something like this because it it was it ended up being for the best because Benedict Cumberbatch was great, but uh, he was initially cast, I believe, or at least was offered the the opportunity to play uh, the John Harrison role in Star Trek. And I think del Toro is a guy who. I feel like comes off as somebody who maybe takes himself too seriously um, and isn't able or isn't willing and able to do movies that are going to put him in the spotlight. If that makes sense. He, he just kind of, he seems like he is desperate to be in significant movies and, and avoids these sorts of movies like, like guardians of the galaxy and so far. So anyway, I, I think that he's a very good actor and I'm excited to see him play something in a in this sort of uh, sort of a uh, blockbustery type uh, movie. Yeah, I agree. That's um, it's exciting. I mean, that's that's all I can say is Marvel hasn't let us down yet. You know what I mean? And yeah. um, we're we're getting Chris Pratt. We're getting Zoe Saldana. We're getting Karen Gillan. We're getting Glenn Close. We're getting Benicio del Toro. Uh, and a yet-to-be-named actor for Rocket Raccoon, who, right. I mean, it'll be a big name. It'll be a Jim Carrey-type name for that. So, man, this movie is shaping up to be really exciting. I know I've mentioned it a ton of times, but, I mean, I think it deserves um, it deserves to be talked about because, I mean, it, it might be, you know, the next big series from Marvel. Um, we'll, we'll probably end up talking about, you know, a trilogy of these. So, um We'll see where we go from here, but it seems like Marvel has a plan. They're sticking to it, and uh, you got to trust uh, Mister Mister Feige uh, because he is he is the uh, he's the mastermind behind all this, really. Uh, and Josh Whedon gets yeah. a lot of credit, but but Kevin Feige is the guy who who hired Josh Whedon. So um, so we'll see there. Uh, anything else you guys want to mention from movie news before we uh, get into our little rants and raves segment? No, let's delve into it. All right, Richard and Brian, um, I want I want you guys to mainly mainly take over this conversation. Um, mainly you, Richard, because I know you take pride in being 
one of the world's biggest Arrested Development fans and one of the only people to watch it in its initial run. Um, I don't know about you, Brian, if you did that Same. as well. You did? Yeah, okay. I did. I did. Great. Yeah. Uh, so, so talk a little bit about how you got into Arrested Development, and let's talk a little bit about the first three seasons before we get into the fourth for a little bit. So, uh, Brian Gill, go ahead. Yeah, <laughs> I, I mentioned on the Office podcast, I started watching The Office from from episode one, season one, and uh, and I, I I don't want to come across one of those people that says you, you know that's constantly like, well, I was I was into that before it was cool and all that sort of thing. I'm I'm not one of those people, but I was there with The Office as I was with the rest of development. I watched episode one, season one. I fell in love with it. Um, it was such a I watched almost no TV at that time because there was nothing that really spoke to me. Um, and Arrested Development was just the most unique, different thing that I, I had never seen anything like it. Um, and so I, 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 <laughs> I spread the gospel of Arrested Development with such vigor. And I got two of my buddies in college to watch it. I think I was, this show started in 03, so I was a sophomore or a junior in college. I got two of my buddies to watch it. I could never get anyone else to watch it. I, di- I literally did not know another soul besides those two guys that watched the show. Um, and since then, since uh, since getting out of college and all that, um, I have done everything I can to get my friends to uh, to watch the show and have succeeded time and time again. And time and time again, people come back and say, Man, I can't believe I didn't watch. You know, I'm mad that I didn't watch that when it was on. I can't believe I have, had never watched it before. Um, and uh, and I'm like, yeah, that's what I was trying to tell everybody back then. You know, that we could have maybe gotten four or five seasons. Uh, you know, in the initial run, if people would have watched it. But um, in my opinion, there had. Uh, in my opinion, this is the best sitcom and maybe the best television show of all time. And I. I I will certainly hear any other arguments to the contrary or in favor of another show, but The Office is my favorite show of all time. Arrested Development is the standard in my is the Michael Jordan in my opinion of of what how good sitcom television can be. Yeah, I I think that's I think that's fair to say. I mean, especially when I was watching season four. Um. This might be the most groundbreaking show of all time. I think when when Arrested Development came out is when they decided to make The Office. You know what I mean? I, I yeah. mean, th- this is the first show, maybe, that ever did the one camera thing in America. You know, and made it made it. Great. <coughs> Sanders. <coughs> Sanders. That's yeah. Well, well That's besides besides the obvious, I'm, I'm talking like in the past twenty years. Uh, well, actually, Larry Sanders was '90s, but 90s. I'm talking since yeah. 2000. Um, so there's this new, new whole echelon of of TV comedy that Arrested Development brought brought upon us. Um, so, Richard, tell me a little bit about um, how you got into the show and why you got into the show. Yeah. So uh, when I was a kid, uh, speaking of, of Larry Sanders, so I had a kind of a perfect storm. I'm a, I'm an obsessive individual when I when I find something I like. I I kind of nerd out on it, whether that's basketball or uh, certain things throughout my whole life. Um, I I, t- I like to know everything about everything if I'm interested in it. Uh, so fortunately, my interests tend to be uh, Fast and Furious movies and The Gruber. <laughs> um, but every once in a while, it's something uh, worth my time. 
and I consider Arrested Development to be one of those things. How I came into it was kind of a perfect storm. I was a huge comedy nerd as a uh, I, I was I watched uh, when other kids were out, you know, swimming and doing things, fun, hanging out with friends in the summer. I would watch like Kids in the Hall every day in like sixth grade, seventh grade, eighth grade. I would watch old SNLs every day on Comedy Central. When I was in ninth grade, uh, we got HBO comedy we got hbo for free for like we had moved and they you know they hooked our cable up and they they never turned it off and so we had i had the hbo comedy channel which had the following two things on it first being uh reruns every night of larry sanders show which is where i found that for the first time and the second being uh episodes of mr show uh with bob and david david being david cross so i became an instant fan of that because i love sketch comedy and so I was a sophomore or junior in high school when Arrested Development came out in 2003. I saw there was a new show with David Cross on it, and I was I was there. So uh, David Cross led me to Arrested Development. That's why I watched it in the first place. So that's a very long winded way of saying I saw an actor on a commercial and watched it. So yeah, yeah. Um, I think I fall into the category of. Uh, people who didn't watch it in its initial run because I didn't know what the heck it was. <laughs> sure. Um, I honestly thought it was about a prison. <laughs> <laughs> By its name. I mean, honestly, its name probably heard it, you know, definitely heard it. I mean, if, if the show had been definitely. called The Dysfunctional Bluth Family, it might have, might have gotten bigger in its initial run, do you yeah. think? Maybe. And, and a lot of their advertising for that early seat, that first seat, they, you know, Fox, you know, everyone f- kind of bypasses this. Uh, the, the Fox didn't advertise the show and they didn't in seasons two and threes. It was very poorly advertised. And, uh, but season one, that was their big, it was their big kind of tentpole show of that fall season. Um, and they advertised it a lot. And the plot of the first few episodes, as we know, is that George Sr. Uh, goes to prison. So most of the rest right. of the development ads you probably saw in your life. Uh, contained the words arrested in it, obviously, and uh, George Sr. in a orange jumpsuit. So uh, it's certainly understandable that you would think that it is, in fact, about a prison. When, That's what uh, I thought. Part- I saw Jeffrey Tambor in a jumpsuit on the commercials, and I, was, I thought it was about a prison. So Oh, that's the other thing. I forgot about that. So the two shows I watched in HBO Comedy were Mr. Show with Bob and David, which had David Cross, and then the second being Larry Sanders, which the second lead on Larry Sanders is Jeffrey Tambor. So it was those two that brought me to it. I, I left Mr. Tambor out. I apologize. Right. Um, um, what was I going to say? Um, I literally just lost my train of thought there. I I didn't come on the show immediately, but, but as soon as I, get, I did, my first thought was, why the heck haven't I watched this before? Um, it was yeah. just a work of genius, every, every aspect of it. This show is so dense and so layered. It's probably the most rewatchable show ever. Um, even more than, you know, the classic I Love Lucy and Seinfeld episodes of, you know, that, that'll go down in history. But this show, I mean, even for people who have seen it and know it by heart, it just is insanely rewatchable. Um, what, what are some of your favorite, um, favorite episodes from the first uh, three seasons, Brian? Oh, man. You know, unlike, unlike a show like The Office where I really, I, you know, it took me some time, but I could pick out my... 25 favorite episodes i don't and i did just i I watched all three seasons in about a three two or three week span leading up to 
uh, yeah. leading up to the season four release. And I don't, I honestly, I can pick out some of my like, favorite moments, but like the show runs together so, and I mean that in the absolute best sense. It runs together to where it really does feel like it's 53 episodes long and it feels like yeah, that's just one story. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it, there's, there's so little. There's so little of the show that is self-contained, and I think that's um, obviously I think that's part of its genius. I also think that's part of why it it struggled to find an audience because you, I think you, if you miss like the first like three episodes, and let's and and when it started in '03, um, we were still more in that mode where you DVR was not a thing. You either watched or you didn't watch. Um, people tuning in if they if they tuned in and, and caught. Like the fourth episode, I don't think they'd have any idea what was happening um, because there's so mm-hmm. much that ties into what happened previously. So all that to say, I honestly could not tell you a favorite episode um, from any of the, the the first three seasons because they are just to me. It is it's like it's it's almost like like I think of the Lord of the Rings movies as one big movie, like one giant 13 hour long movie, and that's. That's really how I think of Arrested Development is is a fifty three episode thing that's actually just one one episode you know with with breaks in between you know what I mean like right. it's, it's I honestly don't think I could pick out a favorite a favorite episode. Yeah, um, the show definitely hit a stride. Um, most notably, um, Tobias's Blue Man Group success yeah. uh, slash failure and. Subsequently, uh, doing Mrs. Featherbottom, right. I felt like that was just like the best TV maybe ever. <laughs> those, you know, those four or five episodes where that was going on, yeah. um, with with you know the little subtle, this little subtleties left around the house, like the blue handprints yes. and yes, and stuff like that. The stuff they never explain, but it's there for the fans. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. Richard, mention some of your some of your favorite moments from the first three seasons. Oh, I mean, I'm, I'm right there with you, Brian. I'm putting together for me. Um, I love the first. Ep- I remember the first episode of season three is hysterically funny, especially like the first like six minutes of it. It's the one where they go to the cabin in the woods, and yeah, um, there's that great bit where jo- where Job's just been hiding behind the front door, um, and Lucille says she can't get anyone to go in her musty old claptrap, <laughs> and Michael says, "Ah, oh, the cabin. That would be hard to." Yeah, uh, which is one of my favorite lines in the show. Um, it, that that one always stands out as one that I will rewatch whenever I whenever I go rewatch the show. That's always one of the first ones I do if I go out of order. Um, also, that sh- that sh- that episode does a good job if you're introing someone to the show and you don't want to show the pilot for whatever reason, you just want to give a random episode. That one's good because you could tell they got the note that no one can follow the show if they haven't watched it from the beginning. So to start season three, they kind of recap a lot of stuff. Just That's the true. way the show's yeah. written. Yeah. And so it's a good one to kind of like randomly throw on. So I've done that before. That's why I've seen it so many times. Um, so... That's that's that. Um, so I'm right with you, Brian. I can't think of any... The, the pilot and finale are both excellent. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot in season two, which is just gosh but there's no you know i'll say if i had to uh, but yeah so one that does stand out on its own that i that i recognized as i was watching through it again was the and i can't find the title of it now because it's not what i thought it was but 
uh, is the Save Our Bluth, uh, Save Our Bluths episode, which is just so self aware oh, yeah. and and winks at the camera. I mean, literally, they're the the actors are looking at the camera a couple of times because that was right in the midst of the show be- about to be canceled and and all that sort of stuff. And so it's just such a smart, um, almost. It, at times, even self-deprecating, but 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 also like the the perfect way to plead for audiences without without uh, pleading. You know what I mean? Like the, it's just so subtle in the way that they do it, but also right in your face. I just I love I, I do love that episode, and I think it's hilarious the way that they work that in. Yeah, let's um let's talk a little bit about season four, or let's let's spend the rest of the conversation about season four. Um, so in its mm-hmm. initial run. Um, Arrested Development um, got horrible ratings. Um, and, the, and the cast will be the first to tell you. Uh, I was listening to an interview with Tony Hale, um, and he was saying that, you know, the only reason it got to three seasons in the first place was because of the fans. I mean, Fox wanted to cancel it immediately, you know? Yeah. And they basically kept it on because it was winning Emmys. You know what I mean? Right. It was getting horrible, and nobody was watching it, but it was winning all these awards, and everybody loved it. So um, so it got to 53 original episodes, and then, um, so however many years later, 10 years later, after the original original episode, Netflix uh, announces that they're buying the rights to it, or putting it back on the air on Netflix only. Let, uh, do you think that was a the right decision to make, uh, to put it on Netflix? Uh, how do you guys feel about, about that? So I think, I think Netflix has that data in that they can see how many people were, were watching that show and falling in love with it all over again, or yeah. falling in love with it for the first time. Rather, um, it's a show like Brian said. I didn't know anyone else who watched it uh, in uh, when I was watching it originally, um, and then now I, I even before this, you know, the fact that it could even come back even within the last three or four years, I didn't really know anyone who who hadn't seen it. Um, right. You know, it was just kind of. It's not that it was 25 years ahead of its time, but it was probably like three and a half years ahead of its time. Yeah. Uh, and Netflix really afforded people that chance to catch up at their own pace. It's the perfect form for that. It's great to watch on a computer because it's not that astounding visually. Um, it's just, you know, it's shot digitally. It looks great on a computer. It's no big deal. So it's 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 great for that. Uh, so many people have, you know, you know, the word of mouth from that is huge. So they probably had the data that like, you know, look, we're getting we're getting x amount of original watchers on this every month uh what if we were looking for original programming you know people love this show and it's not a cult thing anymore or if it is a cult thing this is a sizable cult right and uh let's let's you know let's do this so i think they wouldn't i don't think it was a risk a lot of people seem seem to think it was a risk i don't think netflix makes that risk uh i think they have that data that they have this many fans on it this many streams a day of this show from you know this many computers uh let's make some more of these Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, my one complaint, I mean, I love, I mean, I love Netflix. I'm, I'm the first to tell you that I'm obsessed with Netflix, but my one complaint is that I want to own these. I want to own this on DVD. Do you know they'll what I do mean? It, they'll do it eventually. Like House of Hopefully. Cards, House of Cards comes out on DVD like next week. So, oh, really? I mean, if, yeah. Eventually they'll, they'll release it. Cause I, I'm okay. totally with you. I'm, I'm one of those few people I think now <laughs> these days that, I, I think I will for until they stop making DVDs and Blu-rays, I will be a physical media person, and I, I'm the exact same. I want I want to have possession of it, and yeah. uh, and, but I we'll get that opportunity somewhere down the road. Yeah, hopefully. So 
So let's get into it. Let's talk about season four. Um, Brian, let's Brian, give me your first impressions of the season. Um, how do you think it held up? Um, what are its flaws? Uh, what did it do great? What did it not do great? So go ahead. I think, and we haven't talked too much about it between the three of us, but I think I At may all. end yeah. up being the the downer of the three of us. I I, I don't I don't want to come across as if this is a bad season of television. It's not. It's very, very good. Um, it doesn't hold up to, in my opinion, it doesn't hold up to the, the first three seasons. But like I said before, we're talking uh, the television version of Michael Jordan at his prime, so it's not fair to to then say that it's, it's, not, it's not fair to compare um, those two things. So I tried very hard during my viewing of which took me about I, I slow binged it I guess I, I didn't watch one episode a day but I, I, I finished the whole thing in about a week um, and never watched more than maybe four episodes in a day or three something like that anyway over the course of that I tried very hard not to judge it based on the first three seasons I tried to judge it as its own and I think that it in my I think it's like an a B plus or an A minus, which is a significant drop down from from the first three seasons, but would be um, among the best television on regular TV today. If that makes if that makes sense. Um, mm-hmm. So I don't know how you guys are going to play. I I thought that there were some some real issues with um, the character development, and really in the, it's it's really not that. The, the main issue is that we're trying to play catch up on the last seven years and doing a lot of setup for a show that when it was at its best did very little setup. Um, like I said in my, you know, the beginning of this episode, it each episode kind of in, in the first three runs, they, they it built on the, the previous one and the previous one and the previous, they built upon themselves. And so... There's almost no setup in each episode. You're getting like, if a regular episode's 22 minutes long, you're getting like a minute and a half of, uh, of, uh, of starting us off or putting us in place and whatnot. And then it's just joke, 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 joke. And through the jokes, we develop the characters, we develop the stories. Mm-hmm. With this, you're getting, we're getting far, far more story and and plot development in a much more traditional manner. I felt like. Um, and I, I hate complaining when I don't have a solution. Um, I don't know what the solution to that would have been other than to just say, we're going to start this seven years after the blues or after season three ended. And we're, we're only going to spend one episode on catch up and then we're going to develop our own plot. I felt like the whole year, the whole 15 episodes was, uh, was spent doing more to catch up with what's been happening than what will, what's happening currently, and that is a little bit off-putting as it goes. And and as such, because because there's so because all 15 episodes are basically happening at the same time period, it's very convoluted in the beginning, um, and I felt like. Some of the development as it went went on, and as we got the the full story behind these happenings that that take place over the course of the fifteen episodes, some of it was great. Some of it was 
you know, once you catch on to the way that they're making these shows, that what they're doing with the season, you you start to look for these little things that are going to come back around later. And some of them are very uh, satisfying, and some of them I don't feel like I don't feel like they I don't feel like some of the the bits came together in the right way. Hey, ma'am, fam, question for you: Do you own a small business, or are you a boss? Are you looking to hire awesome people, but you just can't find somebody to fill that role? Let me tell you about ZipRecruiter.com. With ZipRecruiter, you can post your job to 100 plus job sites all with one click. In fact, over 80% of jobs posted on ZipRecruiter get a qualified candidate in just 24 hours. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by businesses of all sizes to find the most qualified job candidates with immediate results. That's why ZipRecruiter is different. Unlike other job sites, ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them. Right now, you can post your jobs for free on ZipRecruiter by going to ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. One more time, try it for free. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. Thanks to ZipRecruiter for supporting this episode of the Mad About Movies podcast. Hey, what's up, ma'am, fam? Kent here. And yes, if you're hearing from me, you know it's time to talk about Blue Apron. If you haven't tried out Blue Apron by now, what the heck are you even doing? Blue Apron is the number one fresh ingredient and recipe delivery service in the country. They deliver fresh meals straight to your door. All the food is fresh. It's sourced from local farms. And there's no wasted ingredients. I've been a Blue Apron subscriber for a long time now. And they have still, to this day, never let me down. There's tons of variety. Some featured upcoming meals include summer vegetable and egg paninis, Soy glazed pork and rice cakes, skillet vegetable chili with cheddar drop biscuits, holy crap, and garlic butter shrimp and corn with green bean salad. So take it from me. Try out Blue Apron now. Go to blueapron.com slash mad. That's blueapron.com slash mad. Get three meals on us for free. Nothing goes better with a movie than dinner. So check out Blue Apron. Blueapron.com slash mad. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. And I'll, I'll say one more thing, and then I'll I'll stop uh, blathering. Um, I also I I really missed the dynamic between the characters, and I know that there was no way around that because they they basically had to work around everybody else's schedule, and so 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 much of the time it literally was just one or two of these actors on set. Um, they're not working off of each other, and I think that's that is really missing in the in, in in this fourth season from what was in the first three seasons because I think I think these characters and the actors that, that play them feed off of each other so well almost like no other show I've ever seen and that is sorely missing in my opinion from from the fourth season yeah um, great points Richard okay uh, I think. It's the greatest thing ever made. <laughs> no. Um, no, I'll say this though. So, like Brian, when I when I first started watching it, uh, you know, it takes a little bit to adjust. It, it looks very similar to the original show visually, but it's just a little bit off. Like you can tell, uh-huh. the ca- it's just a, a, a new camera or something. You know, it's in HD, which I don't believe the original show was. Things like that. So I, at first, I was kind of annoyed by it. I watched the first couple. And was kind of bummed. Uh, oh no, they, they changed, you know. And then, right. uh, and then it got. A, I, I trucked through, and I kind of started getting the the development of, I pun intended, 
of how they were gonna how they were gonna do it, and then you know you start seeing characters in the background from when you know they were in the foreground earlier. You know that right. there's that cool bit where they show that same thing of Tobias doing that stupid dance like right. eight different times from every it's a possible fallacy. angle. Every <laughs> yeah, uh, um, that's I mean that's just so brilliant. Uh, and there's a lot of things like that where you see people in the background. Um, get away, I, get I away. Say, yeah, I get have away. to say, um, I don't know if I enjoyed it as much. I don't think it's as, it's, it's as funny as uh, the original. It's very funny, but I don't think it's the original, funny as the original three series. It is, to me, more impressive. Um, yeah. I think it's really, really brilliant the way they wrote it, the way... They obviously had some obstacles in production, like having to get people together. I thought they worked around that brilliantly. I am honestly in awe of this season as far as the way they pulled it off. Just from a narrative standpoint, like even if this was a drama, I'd be impressed. Like the way everything ties together like sure. a web. That's better than any – that's better than even like Mad Men does sometimes. Um, it was it was really astounding, the the level of writing on this. Um, if. if Brian, I would be with you. Honestly, this might be my favorite season of the show just because it's so impressive. It, wow. I, I, I do agree. I do it's agree so dense. You know, yeah, um, it's so – it is, like you said, Richard. It's just a, a work. Like when I was watching it, when I was thinking about the writing, I was like, how did they write this? You know, how do yeah, you begin exactly. yeah. to even think of this, like doing this chronologically like they did? You know what I mean? It's like – it's so impressive. So um, sorry, Richard. No, you're fine. No, it, it, it's it's. Uh, what was I going to say? Now you've you've ruined my train of thought. No, it's 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 just unbelievable the way they wrote it, the way they produced it. It's if this was the end game, Brian, I, I would be more with you in that. Okay, we waited ten years for this. Now all we do is play catch up. Uh, but the way the show ends and the way they've talked about wanting to do a movie, right. you know, this you have to think of it. As these fifteen episodes are that catch up. This is the catch up before maybe the big reveal. Right. Um, this is the final countdown or whatever. Um, so <laughs> that makes me like it more. I mean, it, this is like this is a little this is a bridge between either the original series and a movie or the original series and a new series. You know, I, yeah. I, I kind of hope it continues to, as a serialized thing on Netflix. I'd, I'd be fine with that. Actually, I would prefer that to a movie, actually, because um, I think it works best like that. So, uh, yeah, so th- as sort of that bridge series and the, the degree of difficulty on this is like a, a 45 out of 10. Mm-hmm. And the fact that they pulled it off, even relatively, you know, obviously Lindsay's face looks weird when it's supposed to be right after, uh, you know, the right. season three ended. And uh, there's some, there's some continuity errors, but I, those are all kind of given with a wink and, and that's fine. I, I, I really, I, I was so in awe of this, of this season. I, I like, Brian, I, I'm with you. I didn't enjoy it maybe as much as, as the original just from a laugh standpoint and a comedy writing, but from just like a narrative writing standpoint, I'm in awe of it. Yeah. I, I can't, I know I'll let you go and just say, I, I totally agree with you. I'm, I'm a hundred percent. I'm very impressed with the way that they were able to do this and the obstacles that they had to work around and, and the way that it, it went down. I, you're, you're exactly right. That's a, it's a major achievement that they were able to put this together and accomplish what they did. It just, I, I would say, that the that in having to do all of this, I feel like some of the tone and the pacing of the original series has been lost. And I mm-hmm. I'm not gonna say that that's necessarily a bad thing, but it's definitely a different thing. And I 
I maybe wasn't prepared for that. This maybe end up being something that when I watch again, I'll enjoy it more. And certainly if they come back with a, a fifth season um, that that is more uh, – if they're able to get everybody together and, and really film it together rather than have it to piece together over the course of you know several weeks and months and all that sort of thing, um, I'll appreciate what they're doing more. Um, I just – I really missed the pacing and the tone of that original – three seasons and I didn't feel like I don't feel like any show on television gets that right uh in the same way that that Arrested Development did 30 Rock was pretty close 30 Rock I think is the closest thing to Arrested Development on that stuff but even that was to me is is far different so I was I was hoping for that I wanted that and that's that's not what the show is and that's okay I'll get over it but it it did leave me disappointed a little bit on that at least on that front despite I I 100% agree with what you're saying Richard of what a tremendous achievement it is to be able to put this together and do the, the, the narrative that they put together is incredible. Yeah. What were your thoughts? Um, I was going to say on, on Brian's point, you that about not, um, feeling like they had the characters together enough to play off each other. And half of that reason, and maybe more than half of it is because they couldn't get them together at the same time. You know what I mean? A lot of these, the scenes like with Tobias and Lindsay together, were shot on green screen. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was like Lindsay would shoot it and then Tobias would come in and shoot his lines on a green screen uh, looking at a virtual Lindsay. You know, it was like... And and a lot of the actors didn't even know what was happening in the other episodes. You know, they kept it all very, very secret. And it was... Um, it might might have been to, their, to the detriment of the show and not to the benefit. But... Um, sure. I, I I do agree with you that it, about the about the tone. I mean, it feels much more like a fish out of water scenario, um, where you're we're taking the Bluth family and you're putting them in the real world. You know what I mean? And yeah. not in that little finite world that they lived in in the first three seasons. You know what I'm saying? Sure. Um, um so um, I don't know if I really liked the each char- each character getting their own episode. Uh, scenario. I mean, I there were definitely moments that were great. Um, I, I've loved most of it, but there were some like particularly um, Portia de Rossi's episode. Um, yeah. She's a great actress. Don't know if she needs her own episode of anything. Um, it was it was fine, but it wasn't great. Um, having said that, I love Job's little entourage. Um, <laughs> play on entourage was was a stroke of genius. I mean, that's of course that's what he was doing. Right. Um, Have you been to the new club Anne by Jeremy Piven? <laughs> yeah, and um, I love Tobias. Um, yeah. I love I love that he's an analyst therapist. He's now a theralist, not in an hour because he's learned by his lesson. He's learned yeah. his lesson. Yeah, and um, uh, another little. But he still has the license plate. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I loved how this how the series started. Uh, something so simple. I was wondering. I was like, "How are they going to kick this off?" And it all they did was Ron Howard clears his throat at the beginning. Yeah, yeah. And and that was just. I was like, "Oh, that's so genius." Um, and I liked Kristen yep. Wiig as as young Lucille. I mean, that's perfect. Um, all the guest stars. Man, this show has has is known for having some crazy guest stars, but I mean, they took it to the next level in in season four. I want to mention. Um. Just from season season one through three, some of the great guest stars. Um, 
of course, my favorite guest star of all time, maybe Ben Stiller's best character ever, Tony Wonder. <laughs> I mean, we're talking about magicians in last week's episode. Why Why doesn't Tony Wonder get his own movie? Right. Um, that would be great. Yeah, uh, I loved... I'd much rather watch that than Now You See Me. Yeah, exactly. I, I love Henry Winkler. I think having him and Scott Baio in this is just so yes. great. Um, Henry Winkler is very underrated in this show. Um, Jeff Garland is great in the original. Christine Taylor, of course. Amy Poehler. Charlie Theron. And I could go on and on. But um, I want to mention Liza Minnelli and how great she is. Oh. Um, yeah, she's the Especially best, the, she physical, the best. physical toll she puts herself through. Uh, yeah. when, when her and Buster are, are together in the first, the first couple seasons. And that's just so great. I loved having her. The reason she, she agreed to do it is because she used to be Ron, Ron Howard's babysitter. And yeah. Ron was like, Hey, will you do this? She was like, okay. She didn't even know what it was or anything, but I mean, just so, so she good. She's the best. I always tell people if I was a gay man, every gay guy has like his queen, right? Like some are into Liza, some are into, not every, but a lot of gay Cher. men. Some are into Liza, some are into Cher. Some are into Barbara Streisand, right? Mm-hmm. I w- I'm team wise all the way, man. I love her. She's, <laughs> she's undeniably insane, but she's just the best. She's so fun to watch and everything. And, and even more fun to watch just be interviewed because she's a just a basket case. Uh, yeah. And uh, she's so good on the show. I got the dishes, Buster. <laughs> she, is, she is great. And I want to talk about Buster. Oh. Um, maybe the – this guy needs an Emmy. Like immediately, like yeah. imagine the nuances of that character are is unbelievable. Um, mm-hmm. That might be the the crowning achievement of this show is that is that character that he doesn't get near enough credit for for what oh, Tony Hill for what he what he brings to the table uh, yeah. at all. Buster is unquestionably my favorite part of the show. I think. Part that's part of why season four was a little bit of a letdown for me is because he is he's he's in like he has one episode and then he's in he's in one scene in a couple of other episodes basically, mm-hmm. um, and I I love this is how much I love Buster I I uh, unfollowed somebody on Twitter the other day just because they said that they thought Buster was the worst part of the show or the one part they didn't <laughs> and I was like I'm done I, there's nothing you can say oh. to recover from that because that he. What Tony Hale does with that character, because it's a nothing, it really is a nothing character, honestly. Like of all the other, all yeah. the, all the characters in that show, he probably has the least to work with, and he does so much. He he does such a great job of making that such a enjoyable, likable, and absolutely hilarious character. And I think that season four, I, if he was involved in more episodes, it might go up a full grade for me. Just just his involvement, because the. I think the his episode was my favorite of the of this fifteen. I just I just sat there dying laughing because he's just so I love that character and he's so funny. It's so great, like because he's so good in the first you know season and a half of Arrested Development. It's like what could make this character funnier? Yeah. Let's let's give him a hook for a hand, <laughs> right? Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just oh. the perfect thing. Uh, it just adds so much to that character. Um, Love, love, love that. Um, another another subtlety I wanted to mention for season four. I love the Show Stealer Pro watermark used yeah. on all the yeah. old episodes. <laughs> you know, that's just so funny, and and most people wouldn't even know what that is. But it's basically like they ripped it off the internet and didn't even pay right. for their own Fox because they couldn't get it from Fox. Uh, 
So that was just awesome. Um, I love Durs, Adam and Blake's little cameo uh, <laughs> at the beginning. Great stuff. Durs plays an awesome like like douchebag manager, you know, <laughs> like with his mustache. Uh, the more of those three guys in my life, the better. I, I could have used them in the – I could use – I wish they would have been Job's entourage instead of the other guys. Yeah. They're the, they're the they are yeah. so funny to me. But um, Tobias Funke is just so good. <laughs> Um, Maybe come over here and help Daddy get his rocks off. Yeah, when did the catch a predator thing? Uh. <laughs> so funny. <laughs> of course, he got caught by to catch a predator. Yes. You know, it's uh. it's like this show is so genius. Um, Michael Sarah is actually uh, w- was one of the writers on um, yeah. on season Brilliant. four. So hats off to Michael Sarah for for kind of I guess steering the ship. In the right direction on this, um, and and I I have to say I really liked him and Maybe's continued dynamic. My favorite episode I think was the Maybe episode. Yeah, of all of, I, that's the one I expected was... to not like that much, but it was so funny. She's great. She's a great actress. Ali Shawkat. Uh, yeah, yeah, she's really funny in that part, and that was a great episode. Yeah, that um, was, it was top three for me. It was it yeah. was Buster and the 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 Tobias episode with the Catch Predator. <laughs> And the maybe episode, I thought they were they were the best ones. Yeah, yeah. Gosh, that episode was her whole story and and the, how they kept <laughs> unveiling how they were all going to India and yeah. then hers. Her, I saw the Tobias one coming a little bit, uh, but then hers was just the fact that she was also on that trip. And then I honestly did not recognize her as that shaman. So when they revealed uh, that, because the whole time I was like, "Who is that?" They looked familiar. I thought okay. it was going to be some celebrity. But the fact that it was her, I, I somehow I missed that completely. So the joke worked perfectly on me. That's good. I yeah. caught it right off the bat, and I was mad that I did because I was I I think it would have been a better joke if I hadn't realized it as early as I did. But because that was a great <laughs> that was a great bit and a great <laughs> way to get them all in the same place. I, oh man, smart stuff. Terry no, Crews was... also also awesome. Oh yes, Terry. Yeah. Freaking cruise, man. That's kind of the that's kind of the Buster hook of the show. Like, hey, we've got the greatest show of all time. How can we make it better? Well, we could throw Terry Crews in for about six episodes. Yeah, awesome. I'm in. Why not? Yeah, he's um, so good. He's golden. Everything he's ever done. Oh yeah, totally. Um, I, I loved. I wanted to mention my favorite episode was might be Job's episode. Um, just because I love the the uh, Simon and Garfunkel sound of silence. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, every now and then, I loved the him at his own wedding with the final <laughs> countdown playing, yeah. and like him on the cross. <laughs> yes. yes. Like trying to make a joke out of that was just so great. <laughs> and I love the roofie circle he got himself in. Yeah. <laughs> where he's just taking roofie after roofie after roofie. Okay, um, we're, we're in the lead here. Yeah. Steve Holt. Yeah, oh, Steve Holt. Man. What happened wow. to him? Things what have not to... gone well for Steve. Not non-recognizable. Um, completely I non-recognizable. I didn't recognize him either until they pointed out that it was him. I was like, "Oh my gosh!" Yeah, he probably thought rough... his career was going to take off. Yeah. <laughs> it didn't. It's been a rough seven years for that guy, unfortunately. But he played How his part it... perfectly. Oh, he's great. He's got I mean, a great he's... sense. Of... Yeah, you um, you know he was just like living in trash, sitting on his couch for the past <laughs> seven years. He may and actually then, own an exterminator company. That that yeah. may be what he's doing. And then um he's just waiting for that phone call to come. Right. 
Ring, ring. Hey, it's Ron Howard. You want to come and do another yep. restaurant? Yes, 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 yep. yes. Yes, yep, 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 yep. Uh, How great was Ron Howard, by the way? How great was Andy I, Richter? Yeah, yeah, that's, that's true. Yeah. I really enjoyed on-camera Ron Howard, because we never get that anymore, and I think he's a very good actor, much better than you... Much better than you give him credit for just because he doesn't ever do any acting um, anymore. But man, I thought his, his bit was was very good. I really enjoyed the Imagine... Uh, yeah, Brian Grazer. Yeah. yeah. Um, one of the funniest gags on there was, oh yeah, all my movies have been taken from famous pictures. <laughs> and then it was just a picture of a variety <laughs> magazine right. with the picture yeah. of the book cover on there. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, so good. Um, mention some. Mention a couple other your, of your favorite moments in, um, of season four before we uh, before we wrap it up. Anything else you guys want to mention that you liked, disliked? Anything? I I'll say one more little complaint. I I was dis. I felt like every other character was in the right place uh, as far as the catch up up to that seven years and and so and so forth. I thought that we missed on Michael quite a bit. Yes, and I, I was disappointed. And I want to I want to mention this, guys. And it's something I've been thinking about for a long time, and I wanted to get your opinion. Is Jason Bateman funny? Yes. Yes, he is. It's but but I think it's a it's a different kind of I know he works great with other people. I mean, he's like it's like Jack Lemmon, Walter Matthau, you know. Jack Lemmon was the straight yeah. guy. He's great at setting up Walter Matthau. Um, well, he's a great straight man. And, he's a great and straight think, man. But does he? But is he funny? Does he do things that make you physically laugh? Do you know what I mean? That's a fair point. He's probably he's a, he's right. a great presence. I enjoy his performances a lot. I love him right. in every just about everything he's been in. But is he funny? You know, there's yeah. a, it's different. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I'll say I think being the straight man requires. And a, a lot of, of, of humor. You have to be funny, I think, to effectively do the straight man and, and do it right over and over again. The thing that separates Bateman from so many others is his, is the pause. Richard and I have talked about this before. He has this great sense of, of timing on his jokes because all of his jokes are going to be pretty much straight-faced, um, but you could really ruin a lot of I'll, I'll give you an example. The, in Horrible Bosses, he... Uh, the cops are questioning him and him and Sudeikis and the rest of them. I think Charlie Day uh, about whatever is happening in the movie, and 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 they have these. He's, they say something like, "You are street racing in a Prius," and he pauses for like four seconds before he just straight face says, "Well, I don't win a lot, you know." And it's just mm-hmm. it's it's the timing that makes him funny. I don't know, you mm-hmm. know, if you saw Jason Bateman in a in a stand up comedian, you know, in a club or something, he probably would not be funny. Whereas I think, like obviously, like David Cross would be hilarious. Will Arnett but, would be great too. Yeah, yeah Will Arnett would be that. great. But I think it takes a great talent and and a, and a comedic talent to be able to play the straight man as effectively as he does and as consistently as he does. Yeah, I but totally, your point is is well received. I, I totally enjoy him. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying like I and I paid attention to it on this on this latest season. I was waiting for, to laugh at something he said, and it, I I can't recall a time that I did. Not to say that he's not instrumental. I mean, he is the main sure. character of the show, but I mean, he's just he like you said, he does so great at at setting other people up and his comedic like little pauses and um, 
and just works so well with other actors if you put right. the right people around him. And it might, I mean, who knows? It might just be he hasn't gotten the right script where he can be funny. Do you know what I mean? He's yeah. always played the straight guy. If if maybe he can get a funny script where where they let him branch out and and tell jokes, maybe he. he I'm sure he's funny. Well, yeah. I mean, what am I saying? Well, it, so I don't know if he's not it, funny. I, I just think that you're, I think you're on to something where he's definitely best used as a straight man and. And this series needed this season needed him to be a little more downtrodden. You know, the funny thing about Michael is he's the only smart one, right? And in this version of the show, uh, or this season of the show, he was kind of just like everyone else, kind of his own personal train wreck, yeah. uh, which is kind of an interesting departure. Uh, it, it adds some depth to the character, but you're right. You don't, you don't. He's not as endearing as he once was because he was sort of the 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 vehicle in which you you experience the show through because everyone is thinking like Michael. Or, you know, when they watch. Right. Yeah. Well, and he, he almost comes off as desperate at times, yeah. too, and, and very sad. And I, I just felt like that it, it missed. And it may just be kind of a, a blend of what, you, what you're saying there, Kent. It, it may just be that there are certain characters on this show and the actors that portray them that are, that are going to be geared more towards this one-off, you, you know, one episode where it's all about this character. And maybe Michael is just not that... That character, which is surprising, given that he is the main character of the show, but uh, you're right; he feeds off of those other those other guys so much. I honestly thought Tobias was going to be the one that maybe couldn't hold his own for an entire episode, but really, those two episodes are tremendous. So, yeah. I don't, I, maybe I was just way off in my calculations, but I thought he was such a an ancillary character, such a such a play off everybody else, or such a Here's three lines in this episode. You know what I mean? They're going to be great. Three lines are going to be great, but any more than that, we're going to get tired of you. But really, he turned out to be one of the better the better parts. Whereas Michael, I was I was honestly disappointed in where they took uh, Michael Bluth. Totally agree. Um, anything else you guys want to mention uh, for rest of development? Bring on season five. Let's do. Let's. Uh, let's yeah, do what do you think's next? Season. You think they're going to do another season or or movie? I hope uh, Brian and I talked. I hope. I, I, I don't think I ever want a movie. I, I just don't know if it, it, it works so well in the in the format of a, of a TV show. Let's do mm-hmm. let's do five more seasons. Just once to, every two years, new arrest, fifteen new Arrested Developments. I'd be much happier th- with that than one two hour movie. Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah, I think I think Hurwitz is. I think Hurwitz wants to do the movie, and that that disappoints me a little bit. I I'm with you guys. I would I would much prefer to have another season of television but honestly if i i'd prefer to have a like a really short season a six episode run where we could get all the character all of them together and do it do it right do it more like uh seasons one through three rather than season well, four they, they had kind of a quick turnaround on this one right totally, I mean, they kind totally, of announced yeah. it so if they do a uh if they you know do a big another 15 episode season i think you know they'll have They'll have cleared a little room in their schedule. I'm sure they've had discussions as to, you know, when they would do it and, and all of that. So you would right. hope that uh, they'd be able to kind of all be around for it. But uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I just got done watching watching this season last night for the first time, and man, I just want to say how dense this show is, how much stuff there was that I'm looking forward to go back and watching again. Um, yeah. And that's all I wanted from the this season was you know that rewatchability factor, and I feel like they definitely accomplished that uh, with this season. I mean, it's different. I mean, but you got to think it's different. It's different times now than it was then. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but overall, I would say I was satisfied. Would you guys agree? Were you satisfied? 
I would, yeah, yeah. I would say I was, I, I'm just, honestly, man, I'm just happy that the show is getting the notoriety that it deserves because it, it really did, when, when it was first on the air, it really felt like, like I was just, <laughs> I was just shouting into nothingness about how great this, this show is and, and to have had this, honestly, in a lot of ways, this last year of, of build up to it has been more, valuable in some ways to me than even watching this season because it's just mm-hmm. been so cool having that love of something like this justified by everybody else because everybody I know is watching the show now and it's like it feels you know it's just nice to have I didn't get that when the show was on you know what I mean I didn't have a community to watch it with the way I did with the office or things like that and so it's been so nice to to see the show get its due and and just to have it back yeah I agree totally um um, well, I guess let's, uh, let's move on then to weekly recommend, shall we? Sure. Um, I'll go first this time. i uh, give you guys a little bit of time to prepare. Um, the other movie that I've been watching, I mentioned the, the first one, Dr. Strangelove last podcast. The other movie we've been studying and watching here, um, is a great musical from the 1960s. Um, kind of musical, kind of documentary, I guess you could say kind of a comedy uh, called A Hard Day's Night, uh, starring the Beatles, and Mr. Peter Sellers is, of course, in it uh, as well. Um, this movie ranks like 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, it is one of the, one of the pro- maybe the defining moments of the 1960s, 1964, when it came out. Um, Roger Ebert, before he died, he said it was his number two musical of all time, this behind Singing in the Rain. Um, wow. It's just a great... I mean, time in American history that this that this movie represents. Um, it's nothing serious. I mean, it's literally the Beatles. I mean, girls chasing them around and them being silly and playing music. And it's just a good, fun time. Um, and it just reminds you of, of, you know, that time in American history in the 1960s when, when they, you know, sort of came about and the revolution that they brought with them and the music that they shaped for um, decades... Um, and probably even, you know, centuries to come. So, um, if you haven't seen Hard Day's Night, check it out. Um, everyone needs to see it at least once, I think. Uh, so that's my week recommend for this week, Hard Day's Night. Now, uh, now Brian, Kent, the, those, yeah. those Beatles you're talking about, are they actual Beatles? Yeah, they I'm not are. familiar. I don't know. Um, you don't? Oh, <laughs> uh, no. Oh, is no. It like we'll, we'll have a separate is, conversation after this. I'll, okay. I'll no, that's a, I, I much prefer Hard Day's Night's definitely a much better movie than help i love that movie so good, oh yeah good, we good, i watched help last choice. summer in a class and it didn't help yeah help is yeah help eh. Eh. great um, soundtrack though help has the better oh yeah i like the help album more than the totally. uh, Night album yeah Sorry. absolutely go ahead, Brian. um go ahead brian yeah my uh my pick of the week is a uh, super nerdy so i'll just say that off the top uh after I got back from star trek into darkness i was I, I just had a, a need for more Star Trek in my life. And so I pulled up Netflix and started watching Star Trek The Next Generation. Nice. Um, and now I am in the third season. I've just been, like, every single night watching three or four episodes, uh, just binging them. Um, and I really enjoy it. I watched the show when I was a kid, but I was a kid kid. I think it started in 87, so I was, like, four years old when it started um and so i don't have too much memory of it there's a few episodes here and there that have kind of 
uh, you know, that seem vaguely familiar. Um, it's definitely a little bit cheesy and a little bit 80s, um, but I've been very surprisingly um, satisfied with the, the plot the, the, that they go through, the various um, storylines that they're working with in, in each episode. It's a sci-fi fan's uh, dream, uh, just from <laughs> what they go from, from, from one episode to the next. And sometimes the execution is not all that great, but the setup is always, or almost always, just really, really good. And I'm always just very interested in uh, in what kind of uh, conundrum the uh, the crew of the Enterprise is going to find itself in. And uh, doesn't get enough credit, in my opinion, but Patrick Stewart as Jean-Luc Picard is just awesome. He's so yeah. good. Even when the show is at its cheesiest, um, Picard is is just a baller, and uh, yeah. and, and Patrick Stewart really really brings it on that. So I probably watched uh, fifty or fifty five episodes in the last week or two, and have, have really thoroughly enjoyed it. So I, I'm gonna, and they're all on Netflix, seven seasons. I think there's like 177 episodes or six seasons, something like that. So uh, recommend Star Trek: The Next Generation. Yeah, I always thought. I mean, Leonard Nimoy has been in the first. I mean, these last two Star Trek J.B. Abrams films. If they can work it, work in a little bit Picard. I mean, that'd be great. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, I know it exists in a different uh, canon, I guess, if you will, maybe. Uh, but uh, more Patrick Stewart, the better, definitely. Yes. Um, Richard, go ahead. I'm gonna do. I did a, a movie uh, last week. I'm gonna do another book this week. My favorite kind of fiction writer. Well, kind of. My favorite fiction writer, modern fiction writer, is a guy named Martin Amos. And I'm going to – I just uh, – on this trip I'm on picked up his first book, which is called The Rachel Papers, which they made a movie out of in the 80s. Um, I haven't seen though. But uh, it's an incredible book about like teenage romance. It's a very American story told through a very British man. Uh, so uh, The Rachel Papers, so our name is it's, – it's a wonderful kind of teen uh, angst. If you're a male, uh, I would assign this along with Catcher in the Rye and – you know, maybe Goodbye Columbus, books like that, that are kind of mandatory adolescent reads. And I, I think this is definitely one of them as well. So uh, that's it. The Rachel Papers by Martin Amos. Sweet. Uh, yeah. Brian Gill, where can I find you online? I'm on Twitter at bgill 12 or you can find my writing at canbabiesdrinkredbull.com. Richard Barden. You can find me at Richard Barden on Twitter or at richardbarden.com. And Kent, where might I find you? You can find me on Twitter at Kent Garrison. You can uh, find the show online at madaboutmoviespodcast.com. Find all our old episodes and find our contact info and all that stuff on that website, madaboutmoviespodcast.com. Um, anything else you guys want to mention before we get out of here? Nope. See you guys I'm next excited. week. I love I'm you. excited. I'm excited for Man of Steel. That's what I'll say. And that's coming up soon. Um, for sure. Well, uh, until next time, we will see you at the cinema. Goodbye. See you. Goodbye.